Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in Christ's likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark, or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. Uh, there's a tower in Fran- San Francisco that is like got the wealthiest people that live in it. It's like the nicest place you could get an apartment to live in. But then there were some people who lived there and they were down in like the garage and they noticed cracks, some big cracks in the garage. And then people came in to inspect it and they found out that this big, tall apartment building had sunk 17 feet into the ground on one side. So it was just starting to massively lean. Um, Now, obviously, people started to be concerned, particularly if you're up at the top, right? What had happened is, you know, these these cracks, they were causing this this building to turn to one side. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to fall. Obviously, the Tower of Pisa, right? It's been lopsided for many, many years. But it did, does mean things could go really bad if something isn't done about these cracks, about this thing lead, leaning to one side. And I bring that up because in a similar way, at a place like Spark, at the most basic level, at the level of friendships, at the foundational bottom level, sometimes cracks can start to appear between friends or between people that come along where they start dividing against each other. Maybe it's gossiping about someone who comes along. Or maybe you're not going to be friends with someone else because of something they said or something you don't like about them. Maybe there's cliques that start to form. So people always hang out with the same people every time they come to Spark. And they don't really include other people. Or maybe they think a certain way about how to be a Christian or... um, you know, what they do as a Christian, and they strongly disagree with people that think differently, even though it's not a big deal. Um, well, this kind of issue was what was happening at Corinth, uh, the Corinthian church. People were starting to become um, rivals of each other, and the church was starting to divide. And that's a big problem. So Paul, Paul writes to them, and... If you, um, if you get up the passage, the first verse of chapter 1, we see Paul says he's called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Hopefully you, know, you might know what an apostle is. It means a sent messenger from God. He was God's postman to deliver God's message. In fact, later in his second letter, he says that he was the first one to teach the good news to the people in Corinthians. So he had a special relationship with them. And then, verse 2, he calls them the Church of God in Corinth. Now, I've got a slide coming up, and it shows you where Corinth is. But the, the key thing to note about Corinth over on the left there, which is that kind of reddish dot, it's, it's in this trade route where, where ships would go sort of nearby, and heaps of people would travel past. It was very wealthy. They had a lot of gods. They had um, There was a lot of people who kind of were sexually immoral who lived there. 
And there was a lot of people who thought bet they were better than others because it was quite a nice city to live in. And this kind of thinking started creeping into the t- church where some people thought they were better than other people and it started to divide the church. So Paul writes this letter to unite them. And the first thing that I think Paul says is, through our Lord Jesus, we are united as one church. Through our Lord Jesus, we are united as one church. In verse 2... Paul calls them the church of God. They're not all these different churches, but one church. They're all together. They're united. God has united them. And he goes on to say to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. So they're one one church and they're all holy together. Holy just means set apart for God. They now belong to God. Which is... Kind of surprising because later in the book, it says that they're really not very holy in how they're living. Some people are kind of sleeping around and things like that. But God says they're holy because they're friends with Jesus. And Paul is saying, none of you are any more of a saint than any any other person. None of you are better than any other person. You're all equally holy. And they're all part of the same community. Together, Look at verse 2, popping up, yep. To the church um, of God that is in Corinth, to those um, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call in the name of our Lord Jesus, both their Lord and our Lord. Because Jesus is their Lord, they've become one church, so they're all united together. Jesus has died for all of them, so they're all bound together as the one family. And so that, that idea is they're all one community. Now, I don't know if you've ever been part of a group at school, um, but I remember when I was at, in primary school, I was part of this group, and we used to like go to our base, and we were kind of like had a, have a special handshake, and we would think we we're so cool, because we kind of were hidden behind the trees, but then people would see us, and they'd kind of be like, hey, and so it kind of didn't really work. But we thought it was pretty cool, and it kind of felt like you belonged. I belonged in this place. We had our special handshake, and we had our place that we met. And that's kind of much like Corinthians. They met together. They belonged together. And they spoke the same. They had a special way they spoke about Jesus. Which brings me to my second point. Through our Lord Jesus, we have everything we need to encourage each other. In verse 4, Paul goes on to thank God for all the amazing things that he's done in them. Which is interesting because through the rest of, rest of the letter, they're actually quite boastful people. But Paul can thank God for them. For, and it's not what they've done. It's not how, many, how good they are. It's because God has saved them and God has given them gifts. So he just says, thank you, God, that these are your people and you've given them your gifts. And he goes on to say, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. That in every way you have been enriched in him, in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any gift. Here he's saying they've been enriched in every way, through every gift, and he points out speech and knowledge. Speech because the speech that we have is the speech that tells each other about Jesus. That builds us up. And knowledge because we know Jesus. You've been enriched because you know Jesus and you can speak about Jesus. 
In fact, verse 7, you're not lacking any gift. So whatever they, they, they might feel, they're not very impressive, but they don't lack anything they need to be able to be a Christian to encourage other people. I was talking with a, a missionary this morning after I preached at the morning service, and over there we were talking about how sometimes their church in a c- c- country that doesn't have many Christians might be just for three people. And God is saying, it doesn't matter how big you are, you have everything you need to encourage each other because you've got the Word of God. And people have, are able to speak the Word of God to each other. But you know what? There's something he's left out that he often talks about to other churches when he writes letters to them. Love. He doesn't mention love, but he normally mentions love. And that was the problem. The problem was they were puffing themselves up with their, how good their gifts were and the people that they knew and the people they followed. And... They forgot the whole point of the gifts they had and the people they knew was so they could love people. That was the problem. Um, so then Paul then says, encourages them, you're waiting. He says in verse 7, you've been blessed in every way as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he then switched to talk about waiting for the future? Because he describes in the future... Your status is you're blameless, you're guiltless, you're right with God, you're saved, and God's opinion is all that matters. So don't worry about puffing yourself up before others now, trying to build yourself up to look better before others, because it's not what others think of you, and it's not what you think of them, it's only what God thinks. How can we be sure that we will be saved, that what God says is true about us? Well, in verse 10 says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's saying, Jesus, will, because God is faithful. He will hold on to you because you're now connected and friends and in a community with Jesus. And so, therefore, because it's what Jesus has done, it's because our connection with Jesus that we have gifts and we can continue to be a Christian all the way until Jesus returns. The very end of this chapter, he says, so just boast in Jesus. Don't boast in anyone else. Don't boast in yourself. Don't boast in your gifts. Boast in Jesus. For we're all one in Christ Jesus. Therefore, my third point, we ought to be united and not boast in anything other than Christ. Um, In verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Be united. Speak the same. What's he saying? He's saying, speak the gospel word to each other. When you, and when you meet each other, reflect the gospel to each other. Show grace and love and kindness to each other. And love each other. And then Paul goes on to say, It's been reported to me in verse 11 by Chloe's people that there is quarrelling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you say, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos. And he was a very like, he was very good at talking about Jesus publicly with people who disagree. That's Apollos. I follow Cephas. That's just another name for Peter. Or I follow Christ. What's going on? It's, it's kind of like... Um, they're saying, I follow my youth leader. My youth leader is the best, and I don't like the other youth leaders. 
I follow the, the youth leader. Because at that time, their leader, in a way they felt, was the person who baptised them. And so they had a special relationship with the one who baptised them. And they're like, I follow that person. And you know, at my previous youth group, I baptised a number of youth. And it's actually quite a precious thing. Because, you know, you, you, encourage, you meet up to read the Bible together. You pray together. You share that special moment where they say to everyone else, baptism, which is you declare that you're a Christian. It's a special thing. It's easy to get very attached because you have such a close relationship with them. It's, um, it's similar maybe here for you, or it could be, I follow the popular kid. I'm with that person. I'm not with those other people. But Paul is saying it doesn't matter who baptised you. It doesn't matter how close your relationship with, is with some other than others. We shouldn't be divided in how we speak. We should speak in such a way that builds up everybody. Because if you're speaking about, I follow this person or I follow this person, you're just being worldly. You're just being like the rest of the world who breaks off into factions and just chooses their favourite person and, and speaks negatively about the other people they disagree with. It's worldly. So in verse 17, Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptise but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So Paul finishes with a speech we need to focus on. With the mindset we need to focus on, which is the cross. And the cross turns the way people in the world think upside down. It's not about how impressive you are or your gifts or who you know. It's about knowing Jesus. Because knowing Jesus in the cross is what's saved. So all we should do is boast in Jesus. Not ourselves, not in other people. So what does this mean for us here at Spark? Well, firstly, who we hang out with um, shouldn't prevent us from welcoming um, and considering other people who come to Spark. I hope it's not you that when you come in, you just go to your friends and you completely ignore everyone else in the room for the entire time that you're here until Spark starts. I hope that's not you. Because that's what happens at school, right? At lunchtime, morning tea, everyone goes off to their group. That's the way the world does things. But that's not how Spark should be. We should be different here. There should be no cool group who kind of subtly puts down that other person that they don't think is very cool. Because, you know what? That person is part of God's church too. Jesus died for that person. Jesus calls that person family. They're your family. Do you consider everyone here your family? When you look at the person that you haven't talked much to before, do you think about the person on the other side of the room over here or over here as your family? Because if you trust in Jesus, you are. Secondly, no issue we have with our friends should stop us loving them as our brother or sister in Christ. Of course we're going to have disagreements about things. But none of those things should stop us from loving them. And what that means is, If we have an issue with them, because we're family, we want to go and talk to them about it and try and fix it. We don't want to stay separated and just stop loving them and ignore them. Next, when you see people at Spark, I want to encourage you to change your thinking. I'm really encouraged by Erin, for example, because you know what Erin mentioned to me the other day? What Erin does is, and I hope like this is not embarrassing for you, um, but I think it's a very thoughtful thing. She takes notes of conversations she has with people, just like facts about people, where they went to school, what they did during the week. Why? Even if she's not friends with them, she wants to know how to love them. She wants to know how to encourage them in the future. She wants to know how to pray for them. 
I think that is a really helpful model of how all you should be thinking about when you come to SPA. Remember things and facts about people. Try and talk to them next time about it. Try and love them, even if they're of the opposite gender. Whoa, whoa. Talk to, guys, talk to the girls. Ask them how their week was. Girls, talk to the guys. Ask them how their week was. Ask them how you can be praying for them. I'm sure you'll actually... You could form some great friendships from guy-girls across the room here if you just started having those conversations. So give thanks for each other here because you're part of the same family. The issue with that big tower that I mentioned at the beginning was there's a problem at the foundation. Now, you might not feel your role is very important here at Spark because you don't get up the front very often or whatever, but I can I say your role here at Spark is very important. Why? Because all of you have the power to unite this group or disunite this group by what you say and how you talk about people and how you think about people. So my encouragement to you is think of Spark as your family, as your church and when you come, see it as your job to encourage people because that's the point of the gifts that Paul's talking about. Love people here at Spark. You don't want to, none of us wants to get to year, year 12 and to know a group of, this, of, of Spark split off because people weren't very loving to them. Or they dropped away as a Christian. They used to trust Jesus, but they stopped trusting Jesus because, you know what? No one ever befriended them. Or people were quite rude. Or they noticed other, other people here who called themselves Christian actually spoke really meanly about other people. We want everyone here to trust Jesus in year 12 and high school. So let's encourage each other by praying that we're going to do that today and for the rest of the year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are part of the one church the one family, if we trust in Jesus, if we're friends with Jesus. So please help us to see each other as part of that same family. Help the guys here to go and talk to the girls and likewise. And help people here to break out of their groups, to talk to people they don't normally talk to, so that they can encourage them in the gospel. And help us to all be of the same mind that we want to see people come to know Jesus as our main goal. We pray that we will be united. In Jesus' name, Amen.